0: Welcome to Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast, where we discuss innovative solutions delivered by our members at Supply Chain Partners. Our members can help you to build a high-performing business and supply chain. I'm Dr. Sharon Grant, the founder of Supply Chain Partners. I've worked in the logistics and supply chain management field for over 20 years, and I specialize in strategic supply chain performance management. Let's now introduce our member. With us today is Dr. Stephen Morse, the Chief Executive Officer of Unchained Solutions. Unchained Solutions are modern slavery experts who help organizations to address modern slavery risk and comply with the Modern Slavery Act. They achieve this by providing a turnkey solution, which includes strategy, analysis, training, documents, and research. Welcome Stephen, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks Sharon, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Today's episode is about combating modern slavery risk in global supply chains. Stephen, your company has inspired many Australian organisations to be leaders in making an impact on modern slavery. Could you please explain what modern slavery is and share your background in modern slavery?
1: Sure, Sharon. So modern slavery is the commodification of people for the purpose of exploitation and financial gain. Uh, That's from uh, Unseen UK. In essence, uh, modern slavery is the forced removal or the restriction of people's voice and movement. And that's kind of at a most acute level of of the definition. The term modern slavery, though, is also uh, used in legislation. In Australia, we have the Modern Slavery Act, uh, which is a Commonwealth legislation which came into effect in 2018. And under the rubric of this legislation, modern slavery describes a range of human rights violations of a similar nature, including slavery itself, forced labor, uh, deceptive recruitment, debt bondage, human trafficking, uh, forced marriage, and the extreme forms of child labor. And so it's under this rubric, then we've actually got a range of human rights violations. Given the complexity of the issue, it's not very easy to define and identify a case of modern slavery. And so there are a range of indicators that we can point to. And the greater the cluster of these indicators, the greater the, the risk that this is a case of modern slavery. These indicators include uh, low pay or no pay, extreme hours and days without rest of work. They could include a recruitment fee. They could include all sorts of threats and abuses, psychological abuses, the removal of a person's identity, through the taking of their identification, their passport, for example. So all these indicators in themselves or in isolation aren't necessarily case of modern slavery, but the greater the cluster, the greater the risk we have. My background to this issue stems almost or just over a decade now that I've been involved. And it really originated through a five-year stint of living and working in Spain, in Madrid, Spain, Now, you might be thinking, oh, wow, that's a very exotic destination. What possibly could be wrong in a country like Spain in the developed world? Well, Spain is a beautiful country, which has a very huge underbelly of exploitation, including mafia uh, or or sorts of um, organized crime, which actually drive the exploitation, particularly into the sex industry. So it was there in Spain that I completed my doctoral research, looking at the push and pull factors on human trafficking in Spain and in Europe, and also at that time supported my wife and current business partner, Sarah, who worked as a health professional in a safe house for women who had been trafficked into forced sex work in Madrid. So that's our background to the issue. And this lived experience was really the backbone to the formation of Unchained. And it's part of our value proposition as an organization, because we don't come to the issue of modern slavery as something which is theoretical. We've combined this lived experience and many members of our team have different touch points with the issue of modern slavery or human trafficking risks. And we've combined that with expertise in sustainable procurement and supply chain management and data analytics to provide a range of services for our clients.
0: Thanks, Stephen. Unchained Solutions definitely has extensive experience and deep knowledge in modern slavery. Now, many industries are operating in global supply chains. Stephen, which industries are at high risk of modern slavery and what is the extent of the risk within these industries?
1: Sure. Well, most of our listeners today will probably be aware of some of those high consumables around chocolate and coffee and tea and maybe even the apparel industry. These are well-known and well-documented risks of modern slavery, and a lot of work has been done, particularly with the Big Chocolatiers, for example, to try and address these risks, particularly at the source of production for cocoa in different parts of West Africa, in particular the Ivory Coast. But risks are found in many products, in almost every product that we purchase. And it's uh, one of those issues where the more you scratch the surface, uh, the more you'll find. It's not often a question of, if, but really when and to what extent that modern slavery exists. And so there are risks, for example, in the property and construction industry, with approximately 80% of modern slavery victims found in, in this industry. Forced labor overall comprises more than 61% of modern slavery risks. And so we're looking at are really industries that the entire manufacturing industry where people are working in factories, for example, or on farms or even on in fisheries, for example. So construction is a high risk area and it's also a risk area in Australia. Agriculture is also high risk. And I did note just then around the production of coffee and cocoa and tea, for example. In the agriculture and fishing industry, we have about 11% of victims of forced labour worldwide. A lot of attention of recent years has been what's going on in the fisheries, particularly off the coast of Thailand, where young men in particular can be trapped for months, if not years at a time, on fishing boats and being shipped, in a sense, from boat to boat without any rest and basically laboured to the point of death of which then discarded into the sea. So quite a a very tragic and difficult topic area of conversation. But known risks are also in palm oil and there's been a lot of work both on the environmental front as well as the human rights front to address issues of risk in the production of palm oil. Mentioned also garments and textiles. The textile industry has a very complex and convoluted supply chain and there are risks all across the sector from for example the harvesting of cotton in places like Uzbekistan to the actual threading and weaving process which A lot of that occurs in southern India. And then the materials are then shipped to places like Bangladesh, where we have the dyeing process and the cutting and the sewing into garments. And all along the supply chain, right until even the logistics, we find the risk of modern slavery as well. And the Other sectors include mining, not so much in Australia because it's an area which is highly regulated, but one of some of the biggest risks of modern slavery are in the mining sector, particularly in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where we have the mining of cobalt, for example, and mica. These two minerals, for example, are used in the production of technologies, for example, mobile technologies, and even electric vehicles and sort of sustainable technologies that we're developing. One of the issues that we need to consider around modern slavery risk is where it dovetails with environmental concerns that uh, we may be on the one hand working environmentally here, but we're not paying attention to actually what's going on in the sourcing of those minerals, particularly in, in DRC, where there's a lot of forced child labor as well. And finally, a sector which may not be considered very highly would be in financial services. The risks here are often due to offshoring and outsourcing to places like India and the Philippines for system support or call centers, for example. So that's where the risks really are for financial services in terms of the supply chain. What financial services need to consider really is around where money and capital is raised and invested. So for example, where who's investing in you as an organization and where are you investing your money? And that's often where the risks are, known risks to do with, say, the production of tobacco and, and arms, for example, and all those kind of uh, trades attract a higher risk of modern slavery. Two other sectors worth mentioning are uh, healthcare sector and the higher education sector. And here we have uh, what we see as complex entities which have touch points with different sectors. For example, construction is very much part of any hospital facility and also, for example, a university campus. But the risks are also embedded in for, for healthcare in terms of the production of PPE. And so this was very much highlighted during the COVID years where there was a relaxing of regulation around the sourcing of rubber-made products, for example, in Malaysia. And currently, there is a case being put against two big companies, one Australian, one American, around forced labor risks in the production of rubber gloves, for example. Other issues for healthcare, which are being addressed, slowly, have to do with medical implements. Uh, Some of them can be made in sweatshops uh, by children uh, in Pakistan, for example, and those risks have been known for the last 10 years and been some progress made to address those risks. When it comes to education, uh, those risks could also, that pertain to healthcare, can also apply to education in terms of those kind of tools and equipment and medical devices and all sorts of Equipment that is used in laboratories, for example, education also can hold the risk like healthcare and other sectors around clothing and merchandise for for staff and for students. In terms of education, one of the dynamics that we saw, and this was really highlighted through the COVID pandemic and the lockdown years that we had in Australia, was really the treatment and the mistreatment treatment of international students, a lot of whom did not benefit from any job keeper support from the government and were really made vulnerable during that era to being really trapped in Australia. So and not having the money necessarily or the means or the ability to leave Australia and not able to access support and having to then yeah accept jobs and accommodation, which was jobs of low pay and accommodation, which was in substandard in many ways. So not necessarily modern slavery in the case of these international students, but given that modern slavery sits on a continuum, people who suffer wage theft and issues in all sorts of privations at a higher level, I don't want to minimise that at all. It's a slippery slide into more deeper, graver forms of exploitation.
0: That's a considerable number of key industries with high risk of modern slavery, and there are many organizations that operate within these global supply chains. Now, I'm sure that there are many organizations and professionals who are yet to understand the Modern Slavery Act, what it entails, and how to address the requirements of the Act. Stephen, could you please provide an overview of the Modern Slavery
1: Act? Sure. Well, the Modern Slavery Act is a Commonwealth legislation. We also have a piece of legislation in New South Wales, also called the Modern Slavery Act, which I'll describe in a moment. But let's just start with the federal legislation. Uh, The Modern Slavery Act came into effect in 2018 and really was kicked off in terms of the reporting mechanism of that legislation from July 1, 2019. And since then, more than 4,000 entities have submitted what we call Modern Slavery Statements to the Modern Slavery Register that's hosted by the Australian Border Force under the Department of Home Affairs. That's the layering of terms of legislation. The Modern Slavery Act really builds on two other legislation. For example, we can think on the one hand of the soft legislation that has been developed at an international level with the United Nations. So, for example, the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the UN Guiding Principles of Business and Human Rights. And these two agreements are for governments and organisations really underpin the formation of anti-slavery legislation of what we have here in Australia. It's also worth noting, too, that the in terms of slavery, slavery has been illegal in Australia for a long time as part of the criminal code. And so the issue of modern slavery and the modern slavery act builds upon existing legislation in terms of criminal code in Australia. And really the act then is designed to target to the private sector and not-for-profits who fall within the rubric of the legislation to call upon them to, in two words really, to be transparent and take responsibility for the risk of modern slavery in their supply chains and operations. And so, this really entails looking into where the risks of modern slavery might be beyond your immediate control, beyond the jurisdiction of Australia, for example, that you need to do something to engage with this issue outside what you might possibly have any authority over. So, it's, it's a big ask for organizations to actually describe the risks of modern slavery, to find out and be transparent about that and then to actually take responsibility for that. And we call that steps around due diligence um, as well. The third element of that is then to describe how effective that process is. And today, many organizations struggling to do that, given the complexity of the issue. So the Modern Slavery React targets, targets, especially organizations that earn more than $100 million in annual consolidated revenue. And so we're looking at AX listed companies. We're looking at uh, companies in the privately owned, as well as not-for-profits that have that Reach this revenue threshold, and they are mandated under as a statutory requirement to report in to the Department of Home Affairs what uh, they're doing to assess and address the risks of want slavery. The of Slavery Act has uh, reporting guidelines. There are seven criteria, and uh, the criteria is there really to guide organisations to include in those statements the things that they, the government is looking for, which demonstrate what an organisation is doing. And the key elements of those are what, what I've described to be transparent in terms of what they're finding and to be active in that and then to take responsibility for what they're finding. And so in that then, there's a lot of risk, no doubt. for organisations at a reputational level. There are also unknown financial and legal risks that organisations need to take into account. And so there's a lot of thinking and strategy work to set up the organisation so that it can actually address this issue with the appropriate level of investment and resources to do the work And to see the work as a long-term venture, because resolving the issue of modern slavery cannot be done overnight, in a week, in a month, or a year. So we need Mm -hmm. long-term goals and long-term investment. The Modern Slavery Act expects board-level engagement, and so a requirement to comply with the legislation, a statutory officer of the organization needs to sign off on the legislation. That could be a board member or the CEO, for example. The company secretary is responsible for ensuring that the organization, whatever its size it is, to sign off on what the company is actually reporting on. So it's a legal requirement. At this stage, there are no fines for non-compliance, and that would probably be seen as a weakness of the legislation. So So really, it's down to the Minister for Home Affairs to name and shame the organisation. And it is known that organisations that don't report properly will hear from Home Affairs to actually make changes to their statement. So, so far, we are kind of in the third year of reporting and organisations are putting together their third statement. However, we have seen uh, with this a range of responses to date uh, with some, you know, shining examples, particularly for those organisations, companies that have a very high consumer profile, big supermarkets, the mining companies, the big banks. And by the side from that, there are also a lot of organizations, particularly down the sort of towards the $100 million mark, surprisingly have not done anything to date with this issue. And we have everything in between in terms of reporting. There is also an opportunity for those entities that sit or fall below the threshold, the reporting threshold, to report in and to do that voluntarily. And as such, as they do that and they register, than to be treated like any other reporting entity. And we at Unchange, have put those clients who are way under the threshold of maybe around the $50 million mark who are doing this really because it's part of their entire ethos as an organisation to be sustainable on many fronts. And it's very inspiring to see an organisation do this voluntarily. Uh, It's also been noted too and expected that uh, whilst the market is sort of given authority to guide, to drive the implementation, it was anticipated a race to the top, but I think overall we're seeing a race to the middle. There is an off effect in the market. And so If you're, for example, a supplier to a big corporate in Australia, you may be required to, as part of the tender process, to tick a box or fill in information saying that you adhere to the modern slavery legislation, even though you're not a reporting entity. And so we are seeing a knock-on effect in the market uh, through to even the SME level of smaller players needing to comply in order to maintain their licence to operate, a tender for business, and particular if they want to tender for business with the government at the state level and local government level in New South Wales, if not in other jurisdictions in Australia, to meet the reporting requirements.
0: Thanks Stephen, there's a lot to consider. What are the key challenges associated with complying with the Modern Slavery Act?
1: Sure. Well, there are a few, and there's been a lot of research into the corporate response. Part of the work that we do at Unchained is to research modern slavery statements, and we've put out to date a couple of industry reports, to, one for the healthcare and one for the education sector at the moment, but we're continually looking at statements. Particularly as we're servicing a particular client in, a, in an industry, then we will also look to see what their competitors are doing. But it has been noted through a number of reports that, yeah, there are lots of challenges for organisations. One has to do with understanding the level of complexity in addressing modern slavery risks. Some organisations, lots of organisations are very good and have existing risk management frameworks and compliance mechanisms and policies which they've been able to easily and readily augment and edit to include modern slavery inputs and related human rights violations as well as other issues. But the challenge really is kind of going beyond the process stage, beyond just mapping out the supplies as important and as necessary as that is because a lot of organisations don't necessarily understand where they're buying their products from, but to move beyond what we call, say, received data, which can can be quite general and and historic in nature. And once they've done that sort of initial desk research piece, which is important, it's very, but very foundational, is then to actually work out how they can get down to the specifics and and down to the, the context of modern slavery. We can't actually address modern slavery risks without actually getting to the specifics of who's actually impacted and really understanding the issue from a stakeholder perspective. And that means trying to actually understand what's going on for the people who are actually being exploited. So this is not just an exercise in which we're actually mitigating risk for our own reputational benefit. Second piece as a challenge would be around setting clear and measurable goals. And I think that's related to the first, because a lot of organisations don't know what they're looking at. So a lot of organisations start by just looking over to see what other people are doing. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, Think, oh, well, we need to do this process and we need to do this. And that's kind of going to be, we're complying with the legislation. That may be good and maybe to some degree relevant for you, but it may not be the whole picture. And so it's difficult, but important to get as fast as you can to understanding what it is that we need to achieve, what do we want to achieve, what goals are we going to set, and then what level of investment in time and resources do we need to put aside for this because we've seen that also uh, with organisations that they'll get started, they'll get the foundations right, and then there's no more uh, budget for this. Uh, we now need to scratch around for more budget because we need to report for the next reporting cycle, but we've got nothing to report on because we d- we actually haven't allocated enough resources to do so. Tied to that then is around doing effective due diligence. And so that ties in with getting to the specifics. So we can't actually do due diligence in this space. And that means in some regards, uh, remediating, creating a a remedy. You can't remedy effectively if you don't even know what you're actually remedying. So you you can do that, obviously, at a theoretical level, come up with a strategy. And that's important to have an idea of what remedy looks like, but you actually can't remediate. If you actually don't know what the issues are, and and asking the people who are being impacted what remedy means for them, that's actually where true remediation occurs. And finally, another issue is around engaging with suppliers. So once, for example, you've mapped out your supply chain, you've categorized, you've overlaid that with modern slavery risk categories, a lot of organisations will then send out the first ship, which is a self-assessment questionnaire in SAQ, and hope that the supplier who's probably received 50 of those already from other organizations that they're working with is going to fill that in and it's gonna give you greater clarity on what's going on for them in terms of their own suppliers. Well, the success rate and the return rate is very low for organizations. If you get 30%, you're doing quite well. We actually propose a much more constructive and collaborative approach to supplier engagement. So that's a bit of a shifting gears in terms of how you think about your suppliers, that they're not just people that you buy from, but your suppliers are actually an integral part of your overall business viability, resilience, and strategy. So, and to come up with a solution whereby you incentivize your suppliers, you work with them, you provide resources, you provide the means for them to also collaborate with you and to engage with their suppliers and work slowly, yes, but through the supply chain to actually identify where the risks are and in the process find out where the leakage is, find out where there are risks in quality, Uh, not just modern slavery human rights risks, but where are the other risks to actually create where the costs, where are you losing money, for example. So this exercise of addressing modern slavery risks can also be an exercise as a profit centre to actually, through the supplier engagement, to actually identify where you could be actually saving money, building resilience, building a more sustainable supply chain, diversifying your supply chain, so that you're not subject to what we have seen over the last three years, especially actually global supply chain disruption and so it's actually as we engage with our suppliers we can learn to identify where we might need to diversify our supply chain and work out where the risks might be where are the limits of due diligence where we can't get the right access that we need because of this or that country putting limits on where we can actually get access and so this activity of addressing modern slavery risk is also an activity of actually strengthening the supply chains uh, ensuring quality reducing leakage and supporting our suppliers to be resilient because they're very much part of who we are in terms of our business success.
0: Thanks, Stephen. That's a significant number of challenges to address. Now, I noticed that you mentioned that there's no fine for non-compliance. Is this likely to change in the future?
1: It's hard to say. The legislation is currently under review and there's a consultation process with a report and a submission made to Parliament early next year. So lots of organisations, not-for-profits, experts in this field are putting forward their various uh, concerns and recommendations to the government of what can be done to change the legislation and strengthen it. And some of the things you know we are hoping for is a strengthening of the legislation. I'm not sure if Attaching a fine uh, is actually a productive step. But I think what needs to happen is a much clearer uh, prescription for what organisations need to be doing and where they should be up to and for government to be, in a sense, more resourced to guide organisations in terms of where they should be looking at in terms of risk and what uh, actions they need to be taking. So to date, there has been a take reasonable steps approach to addressing risk, which can also be interpreted as choose your own adventure. And that has actually led to a race to the middle. So what we really could do with is a lot more resourcing and a lot more clarity around where organizations should be up, particularly those organizations that are more mature with the legislation, so to speak, that have been doing this now, For two or three years, where should they be up to, and where are the opportunities for them to actually perhaps work with government, work with each other, work with NGOs to actually get to the specifics of modern slavery risk and understanding really where they need to do more due diligence and where remediation may occur?
0: Thanks, Stephen. If an organization suspects situations of modern slavery in their operations or supply chains, how should the organization respond to a case of modern slavery?
1: That's an important question. And what needs to happen really uh, comes down to the actual situation of what we're looking at. So I think overall uh, it's very advisable not to try and do things by yourself and in a sense, don't keep it to yourself. The whole idea of the legislation is really, is around transparency. And although that might seem as a bit of a risk for you as an organization, one of the best strategies to take is to actually be transparent about the fact that you've found an area of risk and that you're looking for support to address that. And that might involve government entities That might involve authorities both here in Australia and overseas, for example, the Australian Federal Police. It may involve also working with NGOs and those who perhaps have greater access to the people who are being impacted. And so a a preventative measure in that is to actually bridge the gap uh, between business and NFP. Uh, and be on the lookout, being proactive to actually set up those relationships, set up those channels of communication so that should there be a case of modern slavery arising, then you already have in place that uh, realm of trust, uh, that sphere of trust uh, with different actors in the space and that you're not starting from scratch or from a position where, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. So, of course, it's very difficult depending, and it depends on the specifics, but there are lots of uh, civil society groups, NGOs and government representatives who are there to assist you and the authorities. And so it's about being transparent, calling the Australian Border Force and getting good advice and support as you address this issue.
0: Modern slavery is definitely a serious matter for senior managers and expert guidance in modern slavery is essential. I'm keen to understand how Unchained Solutions has helped your clients to combat modern slavery risk in global supply chains. Could you please provide one or two real-life client examples?
1: Sure. I well, I won't mention the names of the clients, but I can certainly paint the scenario for you. So, on uh, one level, we had a client who was who'd be seen as being very advanced uh, and a big player in the property sector, and they were they've been tracking with the modern slavery piece for a while with a, a sponsored working group uh, with. A, a framework for assessing risk and addressing those risks, as well as also having a framework to measure the effectiveness of actions. So it was quite advanced. And what they were looking for in the first place was a review of their statement to identify gaps um, and uh, look for opportunities in terms of their current engagement. And that followed on with uh, a complete review of their risk management framework uh, and their effectiveness framework. To again identify uh, the gaps, uh, and look for and look for opportunities for the organization. So that engagement started with a, a desk work uh, review. Uh, so we took all their documents, we took all the work that they've been doing, and we analysed that through our own theory of change and social impact measurement framework to first of all provide a report uh, for them to highlighting some best practice trends uh, and recommendations um, for them to to continue working on. We followed that up uh, with a workshop because they were particularly interested in in working out how to best measure the effectiveness of their actions, uh, realizing that this is uh, criteria five of the Act uh, in terms of the reporting guidelines, and they wanted to make sure that they were setting up the appropriate uh, indicators, uh, impact areas, uh, and different metrics for that. So we ran a workshop for the working group, a half day workshop in which we actually worked through the essentials of impact measurement. What does it mean to set the appropriate goals to actually determine the impact areas that uh, they should be focusing on? One of the weaknesses of their current approach was about, well, we just want to minimise modern slavery risk. So that was one of their goals. Unfortunately, they weren't really in a position to do that, given their distance from the real action of where modern slavery occurs. And so we helped them to think through their ecosystem, the business, where they sit in the ecosystem or in, in terms of the market. And to really think through where are the opportunities for them to engage, for example, with suppliers, to engage with other peers, to engage with civil society groups, and to uh, work with their investments, portfolio managers, for example, all sorts of different actors. To make it much more concrete, much more specific in terms of what were the impact areas and what they wanted to achieve. So that was a very rewarding piece for them and set them up for their next engagement, series of engagements over over the next couple of years. That would be at the advanced level. A lot of the work we do is to help organisations get set up. So we have a set up solution and this is where we actually... Again, run a gaps analysis kind of process, work them through with their working group. We We encourage them to form a working group and really help them to get set up. So these organizations don't really know the need is that we don't know anything. We don't know what to do. We have an idea that we might need to run a risk assessment, for example, for our business, but we're not really not sure. So what we do under the setup solution is that we, first of all, we have a, an executive briefing. So we engage with the board and the executive so they know their obligations and can sign off. We then encourage them to sponsor a working group. And, and with the working group, we run two workshops. One is to identify all the areas of all the gaps in the approach, but also identify what current policies and what frameworks, what risk management tools they already have in place. So they're not reinventing the wheel and through that process then to map out a two year action plan for them to implement. And through that process then to give them a realistic picture of what do they want to achieve, what kind of investment they need to make and who is going to do what and what kind of KPIs they need to put in place. And then through them, we support them with the initial risk assessment we work through their policies. We provide a report on where they put the state of their policies and we provide some e-learning training so that there's enterprise wide engagement, at least at an awareness level. And we help them with their first statement. So at the end of that engagement, that setup solution, they're set up with the first stage of implementation. Uh, And we've done that now for a number of entities, particularly who sit more closer to that $100 million range, who don't necessarily have the internal capacity or the resources to do things internally, and we become their outsourced sustainability team for the organization. At another level, in terms of SMEs, so we've done some work with SMEs and we have an SME toolkit. And here we might have an entity that is say around 10 to 50 million in revenue. And they see the importance of addressing this issue uh, to some extent because they need to tender for business. So they may be a recipient of a self-assessment questionnaire and they think, oh my goodness, we need to do something. And we need to do something not just for this client, but for a range of clients so that we are set up so that every time we're asked, we can actually respond appropriately. So that engagement is a smaller engagement, a shorter gaps analysis process, some training. Uh, We'll look at a couple of their policies, don't often have a lot of policies. And we also, in terms of their uh, suppliers, they might have a very small pool of suppliers. So we'll encourage them to get an understanding of what those suppliers are saying. Some of those suppliers are usually much bigger than themselves and may, may already have policies in place. And just think, come up with a strategy for responsible sourcing so that they're already thinking through how can we, in a sense, change our business practices whilst we're still small.
0: They're excellent examples. What would be a key lesson you have learned that could help your future clients to combat modern slavery risk in global supply chains?
1: Well, a key lesson really is around the setting of the right goals and having the right intention and willingness to go deeper so another group of clients i have been working with have been in the construction sector and these organizations have already done a lot of the sort of setup solution type of processes but what they identified is that they needed to get greater visibility down the supply chain. So we've actually engaged uh, these clients with one of our channel partners who is much more specialised than us in terms of actually getting visibility in different jurisdictions and particularly in Southeast Asia to actually start drilling down into the supply chain. And I think that's, for me, that's one of the biggest lessons that organisations need to learn is how to actually uh, move from what they might think are our tier one suppliers, uh, which are in the sense the people, the organizations they're buying from in Australia, and really drilling down to seeing that perhaps the supply chain really starts at the factory level. Um, because after the factory level, you have a whole range of other actors, aggregators, distributors, wholesalers, transport, uh, who are moving and that product into different parts of the world um, and being packaged in different ways. So really it's about one of the lessons that for organizations is to be prepared and to engage and work out how they can actually get past what we call those direct suppliers to get to the indirect suppliers and coming up with a strategy for that. And that uh, that's a very slow process that can't be done through an algorithm necessarily Stage at an algorithmic level, theoretical level. You might be able to pinpoint to some degree, but actually to actually get the clarity, uh, you actually need to do the hard yards of supplier engagement working with key stakeholders and engaging constructively with suppliers that can't be done yet. I don't think well, and with any great specificity without actually human to human engagement.
0: Thanks, Stephen. That's a great lesson. Stephen, I'm keen to learn more about your modern slavery turnkey solution. I note that your solution includes key areas, including strategy, analysis, training, documents, and research. Let's first discuss strategy. Could you please explain how Unchained Solutions help organisations to frame their overall approach
1: to modern slavery? Well, as mentioned in the examples, we have uh, a number of uh, strategies for organisations to help them to understand the risks and address those risks. And so at the governance level, uh, we have a strategy to engage the board, for example, and the senior executives and the working group To make sure that they are equipped, have the right understanding and and build the capacity to address this issue and monitor and report on modern slavery risks over the long term. Our modern slavery risk management review and or gaps analysis process are designed to help organisations to create their own strategy. So these two tools, one is for more advanced organisations, the other is for those who are just uh, starting out are really designed to help organisations to identify what they already have in place around policies, for example, or an understanding of their supply chain, or it could be what awareness the organisation has, uh, what compliance mechanism is already in place, what tools, and with that then to work out how can we augment those tools and those processes, or what tools and processes that we do we need to develop. And both those strategies will, actually, will issue in an action plan to help organisations map out those activities over um, a series of months, if not years. The other two strategies that we have, one is to do with the supply engagement. Uh, So for example, when it comes to, once you've come to a basic understanding, a general understanding of where the risks are, medium, high and low uh, with your suppliers to then segment those more medium to high risk suppliers. and and develop a strategy to engage them. Now, the risks might not be inherently within themselves in terms of they might be in Australia, but they might be in a, in a high risk category because of the actual industry they're in. And so it's about working with those organizations to try and get greater clarity down beyond those suppliers. The other strategy has to do with uh, impact measurements, so measuring the effectiveness. And we, um, as mentioned with that big client, we actually looked at their entire strategy and helped them to reformulate a framework to measure the effectiveness of their actions. We have two other strategies that uh, most of our clients are not quite ready for yet. uh, And that is around remediation. So to work with an organization to help them to think through what remediation looks like, what uh, grievance mechanisms they need to put in place. uh, And that first of all is looking first of all what their policies are and then to actually map out the, the procedure. Uh, to make sure that those two strategies are as robust as they can be in terms of then being tested so uh, the strength of those two of a grievance mechanism really and a remediation policy is in terms of its usage and actually working out what works and what doesn't the other strategy is more of a long-term strategy and that's uh, really a, a vision of ours that unchained is really to actually connect help organizations to lead beyond compliance and go beyond compliance By actually connecting with and developing a strategy of shared value uh, with a civil society organization, an NFP, uh, either in Australia or overseas, that organization may not actually have anything to do with their supply chain, but really as an aspect of CSR to think, well, the risk of modern slavery is not just in our supply chain. There are all sorts of risks outside. And so part of that strategy is, in a sense, you might say as an example, a crude example could be, well, here's the factory and, and that's the issue, we've got an issue in terms of that factory, but actually what's going around that factory? What are the, in a sense, aid and development, community development uh, issues, which um, the contextual issues which feed into the exploitation? So part of that strategy is helping organizations to, in a sense, think outside the remit of risk analysis and to develop a strategy to engage with other Uh, organizations that work directly with people being impacted by modern slavery.
0: That's a very comprehensive approach to modern slavery strategy. Let's now discuss analysis. Could you please explain how your company helps organizations to analyze their modern slavery position?
1: Sure. So most of the analysis work that we do has to goes into, aside from, say, the analysis piece that comes out of the gaps analysis process is really around the risk assessment work. And that's uh, to do with data. So this process at, at the higher level, at the foundational level, starts with looking at the, the procurement spend data of an organisation and putting that into the right categories. We use the UNSPSC categorisation. Uh, to, first of all, map the suppliers, categorize them appropriately according to uh, procurement data, and then to overlay that with what we have is our own risk um, risk matrix, uh, where we assess risk by country and by industry, uh, which or category risk is what we call it. And so that process really is about actually, first of all, understanding the supply chain, mapping out the suppliers, uh, and understanding at, at the initial level where the risks are, low, medium, high, And to then from there, develop the next strategy piece, particularly around supplier engagement. So that's at the high level. The other risk assessment piece uh, then from there would be to then, instead of going wide, we go deep. And through our channel partner, uh, we can then actually go deep. So we'll take, for example, certain product lines that you might, uh, which are in the high risk category, and drill down uh, through the supply chain to actually identify all the key uh, plays in that in that supply chain to get down to the man, at least try and get down to the manufacturing source level to actually identify where the risks are in the, in that process. By extension of that, another piece around that would be to then get down to the actual components and the actual sourcing of raw well, materials, minerals, or uh, plant-based products, uh, which will go into the manufacturing process. So that's more of a deep dive vertical mapping risk assessment. In addition to that, then we would actually encourage an organization to combine that with an auditing process, with a social audit, and to set up a, an, an effective strategy to for ongoing risk analysis and assessment is to actually invite an auditing organization to actually come in and actually set up a, a good structure with an overall strategy around quality control to assess different uh, modern slavery risk indicators.
0: That's an excellent approach to help organisations understand their current exposure to modern slavery risk. Let's now discuss training. Now, I know that Unchained Solutions has expert speakers in modern slavery. Could you please tell us about your speakers and your modern slavery training options?
1: At Chain, we provide a range of speaking and training services. So at the uh, conference event level, uh, we have Sarah Morse, uh, who's one of our directors, uh, my wife and business partner. And Sarah is a keynote motivational speaker who speaks on the issue of modern slavery at, uh, at the event level. I'm also uh, an expert uh, presenter at, at events as well uh, and feature on different platforms and also uh, events. And my focus is more around the the details, uh, more of the the detail level of what organizations need to do and understanding some of the challenges. So Sarah is there to inspire you, uh, to get you uh, motivated uh, with all sorts of stories, uh, particularly around our lived experience. I'm here to actually help you to, with the nuts and bolts and, and, and the turnkey solution for what you need to do. Our training uh, really is enterprise wide. So first up, we've got the executive briefing and the executive roundtable. So we provide training for boards and ex- senior executives uh, to help them to understand what the issues are about modern slavery and what their reporting requirements are. And this also provides an opportunity for them to ask questions, uh, to interrogate us a bit uh, and to explore the issues and the, and the opportunities and what they their organization needs to actually do. We also provide Uh, Virtual training and in-house training for staff, so internal stakeholders, as well as uh, for suppliers as well who need training as part of their supply engagement piece, which we highly recommend. We also provide uh, e-learning modules, and uh, we have two streams for that. We've got e-learning modules for the health sector. Uh, We've produced a series of six modules to help health professionals, uh, both at the professional individual level right through to the organizational level. And we've also uh, developed some modules and and finishing off uh, the production of some modules to really work with procurement teams. We've got uh, modules around awareness, but we're also developing skills-based modules to help organisations and professionals go deeper, particularly procurement uh, logistics and supply chain professionals.
0: That's excellent. You've made it very easy to get training in modern slavery with so many different options. Let's now discuss documents. For organisations who are preparing their first modern slavery statement, they may be venturing into unfamiliar territory. Stephen, could you please explain how Unchained Solutions help organisations with documents related to modern slavery?
1: Our document solution comprises two main elements. The first is around policy, uh, where we have a policy review service initially to actually identify what are the gaps in policies, uh, particularly around modern slavery and human rights uh, violations of a similar nature. And so our first piece will be around identifying those gaps and and making recommendations and suggestions of what organizations need to do to improve uh, those policies, to edit them. Second to that would be if organizations uh, don't have all the policies that are needed. For example, uh, they might not have a modern slavery and human rights policy, or they might not have a supplier code of conduct. For example, they might not have a procurement policy in place, we actually can provide templates and recommendations and help them to build uh, those policies for their organization. The second piece then is around their statement, uh, their Modern Slavery position statement. uh, The one that they can either, if they're not reporting, can put on their website, um, provide to their clients, or one that they'll submit to the Modern Slavery Register. And so here for this, we actually have a template uh, for the Modern Slavery Statement. And we can uh, first of all review the statement that an organization might have and make recommendations of how they can improve that along with providing a template which will have them to report more effectively. And we also provide a consultation advisory service along with that. So as in order to as such provide that template, we'll set up uh, a strategy piece. We'll actually be there to actually support them. So as they're developing their statement with our support, they can be in contact with us, send through copy, we'll uh, edit that. If we've been working with that client and there's technical language that we know because we've done their risk assessment for a process, we'll provide that content uh, and help them to actually get to the point where that copy is finished, ready, perhaps for a more copywriting service, um, which we can make recommendations for so that the language is all coherent because we know that there can be many actors involved in putting a statement together, which can affect the voice of the statement and also make recommendations for design, um, which which also may need to be done, uh, outsourced to another organization, unless the organization that we're working with, our client has the capacity to design things in-house.
0: Your approach is a brilliant way to hold an organization's hand and help them through the entire modern slavery process. Let's now discuss your approach to research. Could you please explain how Unchained Solutions assist organisations to make a positive social impact on modern slavery through research?
1: Well, in terms of our research solution, uh, one of the things that we do at Unchained is to research uh, modern slavery statements uh, that are, have been published uh, on the Modern Slavery Register. We research initially our client's statement, uh, but we also research a range of statements. It could be that an, an organization as part of that review of their statement wants us to, uh, wants to understand what their peers are doing in the space. So we'll take up to 10 peers in the, spa- in, in the sector and review their statements as well so that we can benchmark uh, for our clients where they sit in terms of the implementation of the and Slavery Act. Our research also extends to a research partnership that we have with Macquarie University and their and the Macquarie Business School. And they have assigned to us a PhD student who's actually helping us with the modern slavery review process, but also by extension is doing her own uh, corporate research uh, through us to interview business leaders uh, to actually understand how organizations have gone about implementing and complying with the Modern Slavery Act asking them personally what were some of the the challenges, the gaps and the opportunities uh, for engagement and what their plans will be in the future. So that is an ongoing piece uh, in order to assist them with their PhD study. We also do a more sort of less formal research for organisations. Obviously, in all the work we do around our our analysis piece and our strategy piece, there's research embedded in that. And we're also continually improving our e-learning and our our workshops, so to actually be on top of what is good practice in the space and current research. From time to time, though, our clients will reach out to us. There could actually be a case, a risk of modern slavery, and they want to understand more about what's going on. So we'll actually do some more research into that in terms of identifying uh, where the risks are, what's gone on. For example, a recent example was with a shipping vessel, and the risk wasn't actually with the client, but it was with one of their suppliers. And so we actually did some more research into that to actually identify why this happened, what was put in place to mitigate this, if anything, what are the international standards, the, the authorities, the certifications that should have been in place, the auditing process to, to mitigate this and what why did this occur in the first place. So that kind of research is more in a case-by-case study as our clients ask us to look further into a particular situation.
0: they are excellent research options to help your clients through the complexity of modern slavery. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for joining us today from Unchained Solutions.
1: Thank you, Sharon. It's been a delight to share with you. It's always a great opportunity and a privilege to share about this issue that we are very passionate about. Uh, Unchained Solutions is uh, largely industry agnostic. Uh, We often get asked, well, do you specialize in this industry? And we've actually worked with a range of clients um, from financial services, mining, construction, property, health, education, packaging, tourism and retail. So, And it's a growing list. And for us, it's really quite a joy for us to work across a number of industries uh, to actually work with our clients and understand their needs and wrap our solutions around their organizational needs. So Unchained is here to do the long journey with you. We've built great partnerships uh, with other organizations who can partner with us and help us service our clients more holistically. And we have also, working with a number of uh, organisations and peak body associations internationally so that we're always attuned to what's going on in the, on the ground in various parts. So that whilst we are client-facing, if you like, corporate-facing, uh, we are very keen to make sure that we maintain a very strong understanding of what's going on in the ground in many parts of our world. We're here uh, to assist uh, any organisation that requires uh, our help Uh, in managing their modern slavery risks and complying with the Modern Slavery Act.
0: Thanks, Stephen. Well, that concludes today's episode about combating modern slavery risk in global supply chains with Unchained Solutions. You will find all their contact details listed below. So join us again at Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast, where we meet with our expert members at Supply Chain Partners to discuss key business and supply chain issues, topics and trends, including logistics, supply chain management, technology, and much more. We welcome you to subscribe to this Supply Chain Partners channel, and we look forward to you joining us again in a future episode.